Welcome to our How to Wow Summer Run 2023 and a series of wondrous conversations recorded live at Carfest last year. Carfest is a not-for-profit well-being, music, food, superstar and motorcar festival that has so far raised circa £25 million for UK children's charities. Check out what's happening this year by going to carfest.org carfest.org that is where you'll see our best ever lineup of guest hosts and rock and rollers yet many of them staying with us the whole weekend including the likes of Richard Hammond Rob Brydon Jimmy Carr Lee Mack Bryony Gordon Eddie Izzard Rick Astley Craig David Russell and Laura Brand Texas McFly the actual village people Angela Hartnett Matt Tebbett Michael Keynes Atul Kutcher Freya Ridings Dr Rungan Chatterjee Dr Reapy The Happy Pair Melanie Sykes The Feelings Sophie Ellis Beck the Razorlight, Gokwan, Reef, the Bootleg Beatles, and only Peter Flipping Andre, plus all the amazing car content, of course. Go to carfest.org now and come join us this August bank holiday weekend. All right, from that very event, let's cue a conversation, a fascinating conversation, How I Became a Dog Called Midnight, by Ben Miller, in conversation with Alex Horn. Alex Horn discussing Ben Miller's new book, Life and Career. The book is about magical race against time for a boy... And his dog best friend discovered the funny and heartwarming classic storytelling from best-selling author and beloved actor Ben Miller. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Good afternoon. Ooh. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to take the chaise. Yes, you take the chaise. As is my want. Hello, everyone. <sighs> I am a key figure in the comedy industry. <laughs> so, uh, which, which key? Lovely, sir. Lovely. And just pipe up every minute. I think, why not? Get stuck in. Although I have prepared quite a bit, so not too much. Um, yes, so my name is uh, Greg Davis's little friend, and I'm going to interview Alexander Armstrong's little friend. That's how it's going to work. I've written some questions. How many car fests have you been to, Ben? This is my second. It's my fourth. One nil. <laughs> and that's the end of the game. <laughs> A clean sheet. Another clean sheet. Uh, no, this is uh, my uh, hero, Ben Miller. And uh, it says that you're a comedian, actor and writer. Best known for... What do you think now? Having to look at you over my shoulder is quite... It's quite strange. Best known for, mm. um, well, the Armstrong and Miller show, that was the first thing. There's a, a comedy sketch show. Um, and then John, the Johnny English films. I don't want a list. I just want best known for. I just want the <laughs> one answer. Uh, Death in Paradise, probably. Death in Paradise? Yeah, yeah it seems that way, doesn't it? it was... Yeah. <laughs> did, did you write Death in Paradise? I did. I wrote uh, every word yeah. of it. <laughs> But you were the original uh, grumpy. I was the original DI. grumpy detective, soon to be replaced by several other. Yes, but it wasn't the same character. It was just the same sort of story. <laughs> it was a very different character. I felt. Mm. Um, yeah, very different character. I so... like Ardle. <laughs> big fan. Oh, we're a big fan of you. It goes you, Ardle, then Chris and Ralph, exactly the same, for me. Chris and Ralph, exactly the same. Mm. I like them all. I think they're really, really fun. I miss Richard Paul, I have to say. I was saying this earlier. I do miss playing that character. That was a really... Um, because, first of all, it was quite nice being on a desert island. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't say that wasn't part of the attraction. Mm. But also, um, I felt like that idea of really, really not liking somewhere that was 
obviously one of the nicest places that you could possibly be. It's just so British. Yeah. I feel a bit like that today, yeah. here. There was a moment when a cloud passed in front of the sun and I was so happy. Yeah. For about 20 seconds. <laughs> At last. Um, but we're not talking about um, Death in Paradise. No. We're talking, no, we're talking about, about uh, your uh, latest book, one of many. Looks like a gun now. I thought you were meant to pull out a gun. Yes, it is what, a gun. What is this it thing? It is a gun. It's like terrifying. I, I, I For a moment, a I thought I'd been lured here. No, it's not a gun, no. but it is, it is something I'm going to be wielding later on. Okay. Maybe I've ruined the joke now. I'm no, sorry. you haven't ruined the, okay, haven't ruined the joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about the book yet. We're going, to talk, we're going to go back right to the beginning. We're going to go back to 65. What happened in 65, Ben? My mum and dad um, <laughs> spent a wonderful evening together. No, no, because I was talking, born in 1966. We're talking about 1865. What happened in 1865? We're going right back to the beginning. 1865. 1865. Who died in 1865? Um, not Wilkie Collins. Not Will, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, thank which you. Is relevant because. Oh, I'm related to Abraham Lincoln. He's your cousin. Yes. <laughs> True. I've just remembered. You forgot he was your cousin. I am a very close relative of Abraham Lincoln. A descendant, if you will. Not a descendant. Well, basically, <laughs> I think I am. A, um, I can't forget what it is, like uh, th third cousins seven times removed or something, which is very close. It basically, I did this um, Welsh uh, show, genealogy show. It was very they... hard to track down, but I did. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've really done your research. Yes, this I is have. really impressive. Many, And many. they discovered, uh, as long as all my, it's all my sort of Welsh and ancestry we talked about, but they also discovered that I am related, uh, very closely related to Abraham Lincoln. And to prove it, the man... Um, a wonderful uh, genealogist called Michael Churchill produced this um, uh, $1 bill and <laughs> compared Abraham Lincoln's nose to my nose. And he said, there you are, see, I've proved it. <laughs> <laughs> and you giggled and giggled for about a minute. Yeah, after I giggled and giggled, charged, I actually then got secretly quite proud of the fact that I'm related to Abraham Lincoln. The best president. And then named... So when my daughter was then born in 2015, we named her Rose after Rose Lincoln, which is the, you know, my... That's the nearest relative. Mm. So, yeah. Brilliant. Then Interesting a story. A hundred, 101 years later, you were born. <laughs> you're, <laughs> and you're a Pisces. Yes, I am any, a Pisces. Any other Pisces in? Any other Pisces? I have yes. to say, this yes. is the most unusual interview ever. <laughs> it's just getting started. Other Pisces? <laughs> they're daydreamers, aren't they, Pisces people? Daydreamers. People like Rihanna, Bieber, the Queen, Queen Latifah, Bin Laden. They're daydreamers, aren't they? They're, they're all famous for their daydreaming. Creative time. Hitler, yeah. yeah you, I mean, all of them. Yeah, Saddam Hussein. We were all dreamers. Yeah. Uh, February. Um, He's a February Pisces. Anyone else born in February? Yes. Anyone in the 20s in February? There's two. Anyone born on the 21st? No, you're out. Over there? 20, 25th? Oh, anyone 24th? Really? You've got the same birthday. What, what year? Do you mind me asking what year? Oh, you're oh. exactly one year younger than Ben. You're still potentially the oldest person in the tent. <laughs> Do you want to ask... I was going to... Whoever is closest in age could ask him a question. Would you like to ask Ben a question? Maybe later. Maybe later. Yeah, we'll meet up later. Let's meet up later. <laughs> That's how it's going to work. When are you free later on, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> we'll work something out. We'll work worry. something out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can ask questions throughout... We'll, 
I think we're meant to do 15 minutes at the end, but we might sort of spread them throughout. But I think it'd be nice to have questions from children, because this is... The I children. think that'd be great. But is there a kid who wants to ask an early question to the son of Abraham Lincoln? There's one there. Uh, there's a microphone there. We'll do one, and then, we'll, then I'll do some more odd stuff, and then you'll do the interview, basically, children. What's your name, sir? Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hello. There we go. So, Ethan, what is your question to Ben Miller? Um, I wondered what your favourite book that you've written is. Good question. Oh, it's always the one I'm writing at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's always, that's the one that's always my favourite because it's the one that I'm kind of dis discovering more and more about the characters and the story. So I've got, a, I've got a book coming out in about two weeks' time called The Night We Got Stuck in a Story, which is about a... I'm writing about my about Harrison and Lana again. My, um, my, I, I write about my own children in my books. So uh, Harrison and Lana go to stay with their grandparents. Their, their grandmother reads them a bedtime story and they discover that there's a hollow tree at the bottom of the garden. If they go down and they climb up the inside of this tree, they can go into the bedtime story. So that's the one that I'm writing now. I'm definitely going to read that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. He's holding up my, uh, the death. Ethan, ladies and What a wonderful question from Ethan. Much better than any of the ones. I, Very good question. I feel like we ought to, the, the, the audience ought to see Ethan's amazing Wayfarer spectacles. Yeah. Do you want to stand up and you show just stand up and get those amazing... Very cool look here. Yeah. Just give it a little... To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay! Very good. It's a little bit weird he didn't mention a dictator in his question. <laughs> Still. So you're going back to the, the your tried and tested method of having the as the first na first word in the title of the book. I started out with a, a foolproof strategy mm. for my books very early on. I thought, um, I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the whole story of the book yeah. in the title. It should um, say spoiler alert and then the title. Because <laughs> the first one is the night I met Father Christmas. The night I what met happened Father to that Christ book, Ben? <laughs> a boy meets Father Christmas. <laughs> Your son, in fact, is that right? My son, uh, my oldest son, Jackson, meets Father Christmas in uh, The Boy Who Made the World Disappear. My son, Harrison, makes the world disappear. Um, and it's the day I fell into a fairy tale. My daughter, Lana, falls into a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, but then we break with a trend because you ran out of children. So we've got How I Became a Dog Called Midnight. Yes, which is pretty clear, I think, what's going on there. Um, and now, yeah, the night we got stuck in a story, I'm still, yeah... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, I made a bit of a rod for my own back. I really am wondering what I'm going to call the, the next... I've, I've used up the day, I've used up the night. The afternoon, we <laughs> yeah. drank some magical drink. I don't know. I mean, it's going it's to be tough. And this one is about, it's about your actual dog called Jet, but you've changed the name. Is that correct? It is. It's about, it's about my dog. And it, I did genuinely um, run out of children. Uh, I'd written a story about each of my three children. I thought, well... I'm. I'll have to write, wait a minute. <laughs> I literally was staring at my dog on there. Uh, it always sits at my feet when I'm writing. And I thought, yeah, well... And, it's, and Jet is a huge dog. She's a black Russian terrier, just absolutely enormous. And I kind of... And I used to think a little bit like a man in a bear suit. Mm. And I did think, um, what would it be like to actually be... You know, to swap bodies with a dog. And I, I love that uh, movie, Freaky Friday. You know that movie where the teenager and the mum swap bodies? And I thought of another body, body swap story, which is um, Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, where, um, where he doesn't exactly swap bodies with a donkey, but he gets the, one of the characters gets the head of a donkey. 
And um, I thought, oh, that's maybe this is maybe, oh, maybe there's something in this swapping. So swapping a child uh, about a boy that swaps bodies with a dog. Um, I've gone back now to writing about my children. So the night we got stuck in a story, I just used Harrison and Lana again. I don't have to make up any other names. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you do cleverly sneak some Shakespeare into the book. I learned a little bit about the Mid Midsummer Night's Dream. I, I don't think I'd ever read it, but you tell us in the book that it's not a dream, but the guy explains that it's a dream. Yes, yeah. Well done. It's kind of... Well done, Ben. The, I do love a Midsummer Night's Dream, and there is... There's, I try... Here's the honest answer, is in all of my stories, I try and base them on some really old, really old story. I mean, um, so yes, because I kind of think... I kind of think there are certain stories we keep going back to and children and adults and teenagers, and we all want to hear those stories told and retold, and we all want to try and kind of make them our own in some ways. So... Um, yeah, I, lo I love the story of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And when I, one of the things that I took directly from A Midsummer Night's Dream is this idea that um, between Midsummer and the new moon is a really magical time. So Midsummer Night's Dream takes place over these th three magical days that happen between, between Midsummer and the new moon. And I, and I, I thought, oh, that's, that's great. And then I took a bit of... The story of King Arthur, you know, the lake, the lady mm. of the lake, and that kind of thing. I thought, oh, we'll, have, we'll have a magic lake. And <laughs> I just took bits from all the books that I really, really <laughs> like. <laughs> Mixed them, jumbled all them, jumbled them all up, and uh, this story popped out. We should tell you a little bit. If you haven't read the story, you should tell oh, us a little I've read bit. It. <laughs> I didn't doubt that for a second, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> um, it's about, it's basically about a boy called George. Um, he and his father, they, uh, his father is the, um, his father is the sort of, uh, what's the word, caterman, groundsman, thank you, of a big, of a big empty... The pause was too big. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was going on for hours. Groundsman, groundsman! <laughs> Hurry up! Of a big stately home, Not, well, a small, a small sort of empty stately home, and, uh, this new, fa this new uh, character moves in, to the state, this mysterious character called Clive, who has just suddenly married the lady of the house, uh, who's been recently divorced. And this new character, Clive, is a bit suspicious, this magician. The dog belongs to him. And George accidentally swaps bodies with the dog and discovers that Clive is plotting to basically steal this, this um, stately home. So it's a kind of uh, a sort of mystery that he then has to solve. But his problem at that point is he's now a dog. Mm. So he can't really tell anybody about what's going on. Yeah, that's the story. And, and there are lots of... <laughs> so you don't need to get it now. Wait for the new one. <laughs> but no, I really recommend it. But there are quite a lot of body swap stories out there. There's, like you say, Freaky Friday. There's Big, which is a great movie. Yeah, I love that. Uh, great, great vice story. Versa. Have you seen yeah, Vice Versa? No. That's a good one. But I, I think there's no, um, no ones where somebody turns into a dog. Uh, I thought that, and then I did some research, and there is one. Um, it's a film called Shaggy Dog. Can yeah, and there's, there's, there's a sequel called Shaggy DA. Yes, can I read you the, um, the plot of Shaggy Dog? Go ahead. I've not seen it, but in this movie, Tim Allen gets bitten on the hand by a sacred dog that Robert Downey Jr. stole from Tibet. And then he turns into a dog, at which point he makes actual friends with a snake who is also a dog. Not a bad movie. <laughs> it's sort of similar to yours, because in yours it's not just uh, someone gets turned into a budget. I don't want to spoil things. 
there's a there's a, there's um there's fish transmography. There's, it's not just anyway. It's body swap, but to the max. fish transmography. Yeah, yeah. Not, you use the phrase fish transmography, don't you? <laughs> um, but I like I like Clive because Clive is the baddie, and Clive tries to monetize body swapping. Yes, Clive's a really cunning character. Clive is one of my favourite. Uh, I've not written many really sort of villainy characters in the stories, but Clive is definitely one. And I've always been a little bit suspicious of magicians. Mm. I don't know. So Clive is a professional magician. He works on a cruise ship. Um, But he's dabbling in real magic on the side, and he's found a very old book of spells... And he, one of the reasons that he's taken up with Lady Jane, the owner of this house, is because he knows from his book of spells that there's a magic fountain, a fountain where you can swap bodies. And his idea is, what he's going to do, he's going to take all the old people um, that travel on the cruise ship and he's going to give them kind of three-day young experiences where they can swap bodies with young people. So that's his sort of, his sort of dastardly plan. Where was he going to get these... Because you don't go into detail there. Where was he going to get the young people from? To... The, the, the people who work on the cruise ship, the dancers oh, on the cruise ship. Oh, God. So they become... I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and if you had to... Well, I'll ask Ethan, actually. Ethan, if you had to swap bodies with someone or something for three days, who or what would you swap bodies with, Ethan? Microphone, please. I'm expecting quite a good answer, Ethan. I've got absolutely no idea. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you... A, I'll, I'll ask Ben and then you, you'll think of something, Ethan. Who would you swap bodies with, Ben? Like, person. It can be personal. I'll tell you mine if you want. Well, I'd like to swap I, bodies with you. Yeah, I'll swap bodies with you. <laughs> yeah. Should we do it? I think we've Should got we pretty much the, the same body, on. though. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think we've just swapped chairs, haven't we? <laughs> so, Ben... Um, <laughs> So tell me. Um, oh, I haven't done any research. Oh, hang on. Oh, wait a minute. You've done loads. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. You've done about 45 minutes worth. Oh, is this really good? Yeah. Um, I can't read your writing. Kids' book, full of your real it. This is rubbish, Alex. <laughs> um, I think we've just learned that you can't read. Who? That is typed. I think I would like, what I'd like to ask you yes. is, yes, um, I, I know that the next book you've written is The Night We Got Stuck in a Story. Yes. The Hollow Tree. And then, and then, of course, and then we've got uh, the sequel to Diary of a Christmas Self, Secrets of a Christmas Self, coming out at Christmas. Yes. Christmas market. Very interesting. Cashing in again. The, <laughs> <laughs> don't be ashamed of that, Ben. Yeah, um, it's a perfectly legitimate... Yes. It's a perfectly legitimate thing to write a Christmas book. Well, the extension book. isn't going to pay for itself, is it? Exactly. So... Thank you, yeah. Um, so I guess I just might play a bit of a tune on this, um, yeah, do, do. On this thing, actually, in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but I suppose what I wanted to ask you is, what are you going to write after that? Well, I've not... Many of you will know that I went to Cambridge and I, I got a... Well, I started a doctorate in, um, <laughs> in, in physics, in um, a specific... Damn you, you're physics. better at this than me! <laughs> And I've not yet finished my doctorate, and I thought <laughs> it's about time to give the taxpayers what they want. So a physics story? A physics story for children. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Can you be more specific? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know... Well, you probably don't, Alex, but you know, um, you know the basics of quantum I'm theory? So, tell you what, I'm so clueless yeah. about science and physics generally. Music, my head is just full of music. Yeah. And show business... 
And uh, I've got three boys. They're an absolute nightmare. I've seen them running around the festival. Uh, no, hang well, on. Two, I think I saw I, two I of them, definitely... Alex. I think one of them's a nightmare. The two here are fine, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my experience of them. Of yeah, the, yeah. Of, of your yeah. children. As an outside observer, I'm, I'm on the inside. <laughs> um, so they're all a nightmare, are they? Yeah, they're all a nightmare. Are they? Um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, yeah. So I, I just like the, a little more, little more detail, mm. Um, mm. perhaps, on the, uh, mm. on, on, on the story. On the, on the story. So, it's about a quark. <laughs> yeah? You know quarks? A quark. A quark. Yeah. You know What's that a word? quark? A quark is like an electron. <laughs> but sort of more fun, like a fun electron. A fun electron. Like a wacky electron. And a this wacky quark, electron. This quark yeah. wakes up one day and thinks, come on, guys. <laughs> Let's teach uh, physics to the world. Yeah. And he goes out in his little Jeep and... Um, <laughs> and he just gets stuck in and, you know... It's quite anti-government. Um, have you got a, you got a title for that? Have you got a title for this yeah, one? it's the quark who um, got stuck in. Yeah, there you go. The quark who got stuck in. <laughs> Are we going back? Thank the Lord. Right. Right. That was annoyingly good, I have to say. Have we got an answer, Ethan? Yes, we do. Uh, probably one of my dogs. Yeah. How many dogs have you got, Ethan? Two. Yeah. Which one? Which one? You've got to pick one. Probably my youngest one. What are they called? Uh, Maggie and Mabel. Maggie and Mabel? Oh, I preferred your question than your answer, but <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. Sorry, sorry. So, but good answer. Ignore him, Ethan. That's brilliant. I tell you what, I think it might be time for a quick game of how well do you know your own book. Are you ready for that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, people love this that. section of the interview that's never happened before. So this is, a quick, this is where we get the I didn't keyboard start, out. It didn't start very well with caretaker or whatever it was, groundsman. Well, there's more of that. So this is a quiz. I'm going to ask you five questions about your own book. If you get it right, you can have a digestive. Oh, I love digestives. And uh, by the way, this interview is going to end with us flinging digestives into the crowd. <laughs> and then having a competition with the last two, who can throw our digestive the furthest? Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. I'll be using the frisbee technique. Yes. I'm going to crumble it and spit it out. <laughs> OK, just taking a pause to tell you about AG1, also supporting this particular podcast. AG1, I'm asked all the time about the one thing I do to take care of my health. If I could pick only just one product, it would be foundational nutrition. And AG1 is a top foundational nutrition product. I can't think of any other daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, according to people that I really look up to who really know their stuff. AG1 is recommended by such luminaries as Rich Roll, the amazing professor, Dr. Andrew Schieberman, Tim Ferriss, and our one, our only Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. AG1 was created in 2010 and has helped millions of mornings begin on a healthier foundation ever since. My wife takes it, I take it, even our 14-year-old son Noah takes it now, he swears by it. AG1 is not only a high-quality, all-in-one solution for daily foundational nutrition, it also saves you time, confusion and money compared to individual supplements that can add up to a small fortune. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic and much more in one simple drinkable habit ag1 is great bang for my book as it replaces a lot of these other supplements like a daily multivitamin minerals pre and probiotics for my gut health adaptogens and a greens blend literally all in one scoop of powder i think there's 75 different supplements in each scoop science-driven formulation of vitamins probiotics and whole food source nutrients ag1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category just one daily serving gives me the comprehensive foundational nutrition i need Go to drinkag1.com slash how to wow. 
That's drinkag1.com slash how to wow. Give it a go. Check it out. Let us know how it lands. And now back to the wow. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> so this is the theme tune. Can I borrow the other mic? It's all right. You mean it can be better than this? Thank you. Do you mind holding it? (laughs) Question one. Uh, How many pages... What are you doing? How many pages... (laughs) I am am looking there, but my mouth... My eyes... How many... How many pages... What's your name? It's Stephen versus Ben in this quiz. (laughs) How many pages are there in the paperback? You first, Stephen. How many pages in the paperback? 274, Ben? 286. No, no, keep holding it. (laughs) It's 303. It's a biscuit for Ben. Nice. Nice. Okay, question two. can I have a uh, number from the audience between 1 and 303? Yes. Uh, this lady here, the girl, the girl. 205. Okay. Um, can you hold it there now? Okay. It's, it's finished the sentence, Stephen. On page 205. If you want to play any of the notes, go for it. Nor can I. Right, here we go. Stop it, you two, yelled Coco, trying to pull the... What do you think? Well, I've just read it, so two men apart. It's correct! It's a biscuit for Steve. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. One, one. <laughs> you can answer first on the next one. I don't think that was fair. What? This is a better system, isn't it? I think you might be my dad. I'm not sure. It's been years. Pardon? Depends how old you are. It doesn't only depend how old I am. There's other factors. Right. Question three. Gabriel Oates is, of course... Oh, I've given it away. What is Gabe's surname? <laughs> Fastest Oates. fingers first. Oates. Oates is Oates. right. Oh, have a biscuit. Have a biscuit. That's annoying. <laughs> there we go. Oh, frustrating. 2-1. Come on. Come on, Stephen. Dad. Oh, we've run out... I think we've run out of batteries. No, we haven't. <laughs> Did we have a key change there? I thought we had a yeah, key change. Yeah. And this is the sound of a flute compared to the piano. Right. Stephen. Um, question four. What is the opening line of the book, Ben? Ooh. Ooh. Does anybody know? I think they're running away. Hang on a minute. George, I've got a surprise for you. Correct! He's got an unassailable lead. Another biscuit. Oh, I can do another biscuit. You've got to do another biscuit. 
We'll chuck a biscuit at that girl in a minute. Don't worry. Uh, Give me a biscuit to a girl. Final one. Final question. Of course, what is the last word of the book, Ben? Do you want to have a guess first, Stephen? End. It's not, no, he's not gone for the end in the end. I think he's assumed we realise because there's nothing more... There's no more words, so he's sort of... It's going to be... I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going, to buy, I'm going to write another book. Oh, you think it's book? <laughs> Do you know what the final word is? Is it Gog Magog? No. Anyone else know? It's zoo. This this boy. It's lunch. You get a biscuit. Do you mind if I throw a biscuit at you? <laughs> what an actor! Oh! Ethan got it. Ethan yeah. got it. That's not the worst. That's that... not the worst result. Oh well. Uh, did you? Did the lady get it and not give it to a child? You have given it to a child. <laughs> well, that 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 is the end of the quiz. A round of applause for Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. That's a good quiz, huh? Yeah. Thank you. So, we need another question from an audience member, I think, at this stage. Uh, is there anyone who's got a question for Ben or Stephen at this point? Yes, the, the girl there. Uh, <laughs> what's your name? Nancy. Nancy, this is Stephen. Stephen, this is Nancy. Be quicker, Stephen. <laughs> Hello. Um, what inspired you to start writing books? Because, obviously, you're an actor from what I know you. Um, what inspired you to start writing your books? It was having children. Yeah, it was wanting to write stories. So the very first story that I wrote, uh, The Night I Met Father Christmas, which is about a boy meeting Father Christmas. <laughs> um, that, that story came about because, um, because I wanted to write a story for my own son to explain why Father Christmas is real. So I uh, basically did a lot of research and then wrote that book, and then just read it to him at Christmas time for a couple of years. And um, as Alex mentioned, uh, I also, I'm also interested in science, and I wrote a couple of science books. And then when I was at a, um, I was at a book festival, not unlike this, talking about my science books. Afterwards, somebody who had been interested, I got chatting to him afterwards. It turned out he was a literary agent, and he said, "Have you ever thought about writing stories for children?" And I sent him this story that I'd had been reading to Jackson. And then it sort of, it sort of then uh, took on from there, because then it's quite a long process, actually, writing a book. So then they, he found uh, a publisher that was interested, and then we worked together on the story, because it turns out there's quite a lot of work goes into writing uh, children's books. And, um, and that then became... But what started as something that I used to read to my son at Christmas then became that book, The Night, we met, the night I Met Father Christmas. And you say you still read your books to your children? I do, yeah, I do. That's one of the ways that I um, uh, try the books out is I, I try the ideas on Harrison and Lana and still on Jackson. Um, and I, I have a sort of test where when I feel like I'm ready to read the book for the first time, I'll sort of sit them down and um, when Lana gets up and walks away, I know I need to do a little bit more work. I mean, it's the best test possible. Yeah. You, they, you know, your own children won't stick around if the story gets... If, any, if there's a lull in the story at any point, which I think is why, <laughs> why the um, 
hopefully, when you read the books, that you uh, you always want to know what's happening happen next, and ho- hopefully they always hold your attention, and you want to keep following the story until you get to the end. Have you ever thought of doing an audio book? Then you won't have to bother reading it to them. <laughs> <laughs> Press play. I um, I do do the audio books as well, actually, Alice, and they are available through wherever you get your audio books. <laughs> The iCloud? Why do we say that? I don't know why we say that for just for podcasts. Hmm. Wherever you get your podcasts. It's like, it feels like really unhelpful to me. Yeah. It's like, because if I don't know where to get podcasts, you know, you get them wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know where to get podcasts. <laughs> we'll just get them wherever you get your podcasts. So you, you have written a book every year for four years, by my reckoning. I've written more than a book wow. every year for four years, because I also write the... Uh, last year I wrote two I wrote I've been also writing my elf stories as well so the diary of a Christmas elf and and uh, this year secrets of a Christmas elf so I now spend all year really writing stories which I love it takes a lot longer than a year to write a story so you start them you know you start them like a few years two years before generally um, but you sort of uh, then I've mostly ended up working on two at a time. Right, OK. And how much research? So in this one, there's a lot of uh, body language from the dog. We learn why dogs do certain things. Yes, yeah. And did you have to research? Because like, we learn why... I just love dogs. I really, really love dogs. I never had dogs as a child growing up. I always wanted to have a dog when I was little. Um, uh, but my mum really doesn't... My mum really doesn't like dogs, still doesn't like dogs. And she doesn't know. But once I took my dog to her house when she wasn't there, and when she went out of the room, it did a poo on the carpet... <laughs> And I just lit. I, all my brothers, all my uh, my sisters and their families, they all started laughing. I started scrubbing this uh, little mark off the carpet. Literally got it done just the second she walked back in, and she still doesn't know that it that it happened. Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> all the way from wherever she lives. Your mum is here. She is, she is here, and she's furious. So I was really, I just really, really interested in dogs. I I got a dog. My, uh, you know. I've had, uh, as a grown-up um, in our family, we've had dogs, and um, I wanted to learn more about them, and I was kind of interested in learning about, because I love science, I was interested in learn, learning about the science of dog behaviour and what do we know about uh, the ways that dogs see the world. And I got very interested in that, and I got very interested in the science of it, actually. Um, and there's so much research now, even right now, being done on dogs... Not so much on cats, so they're kind of catching up a bit. And I don't know why. I, it's a mystery, really, I think, to most biologists, why we haven't done more research on these animals that, you know, have a, live in our homes and have done for thousands of years. Yeah, there's quite a big bit about why dogs sniff each other's bottoms when they, when they meet each other. Yes. And the guy who becomes a dog is quite into it. They do it. Yeah. he learns so much about the, um, yeah. about the, the dog's family and... The back history, just from the sniff of the of the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, dogs, you know, their eyesight is not their primary sense. I mean, we are all about right now, aren't we? Because we see using light, we see the world with light, and light is something that is happening right now and then is gone. So we are creatures that live very much in the moment. But if you imagine you're a dog, and your primary sense is smell. Smells are there, you know, there's, I, I would be able to, as a dog, I'd be able to, the first thing I'd want to do is like, hang on, who's been here? <laughs> Actually, I can tell that's, um, that's Alex. Uh, um, <laughs> but, um, 
But you know the um, you know the point being that the scent, the scents and the smells that dogs are aware of all the time aren't just the ones that are coming now, but they're they've been there for days or weeks or hours or minutes, and the dog is getting all that information at the at the same time. So yeah, in in the story, when the main character who becomes a dog finally sniffs another dog's bottom, it all makes sense, you know, because he suddenly understands everything about who that dog's family is, where they grew up, <laughs> obviously what they ate for lunch. What they ate for lunch, um, yeah. Well, I had here, I could, we thought I could, we could sniff each other's bottoms and we could try to guess what we had for lunch, if you, if you want. <laughs> if, if you well, I already know that you had pulled beef with fries, so... Um, well, it's, a, it's a Saturday, isn't it? So... <laughs> Always. Um, is there another question from that? Also, what time is it, I suppose? Two, one question from me. What time is it? 4.34. We've got 11 minutes left. But we can overrun or underrun. <laughs> In fact, that's the end. <laughs> we haven't chucked biscuits yet. It's not the end. Hello, what's, what's your name? Uh, my name's Charlotte. Hello, Charlotte. Um, what inspired you to create the name Coco? Because my dog's called Coco and it's spelt the same way. Really? Are you That's saying did cool. Ben nick your dog's name? <laughs> <laughs> you heard her shout it in a, in a wood. Um, I have a, a, a friend of mine who's married to a Japanese lady and her, and her name is Coco. And Coco in the story is... Uh, her, her father is Japanese. So, um, yeah, I did... So, it's funny, if you do write stories and you're going to use people's names, you, you kind of have to um, call them. And you have to say, you know, by the way, do you mind if I use your wife's name in my story. And, of course, the conversation then gets very complicated. <laughs> you say, well, why? You say, well, um, I've written a story about a boy who becomes a dog. <laughs> I have to go through this whole thing. And Coco, and, and you know, and explain the whole story. And by, the e and, and by the end of it, people are usually... You see their eyes glazing over and they go, yeah, it's fine, just <laughs> take it, yeah, whatever, it's fine. I was going to ask you how you get the names of all the characters. So Gabriel Oates is... The groundskeeper. So, is that yeah. a name you've just conjured, or, is, or, do they, or do they all have relevance to friends' wives? <laughs> Another friend of mine, his wife is called Gabriel Oates. Ah, I see. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a sort of um, as a vague nod to D. H. Lawrence. I think in that. Um, I got. I got the should reference. We, should we leave it there? Oh, I should see. We leave it there? Right. <laughs> That's a different book, isn't it? That. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I see what's happened. Different genre. Oh, there's another question. Yes, Stephen. Who, who is this? Uh, Eleanor. Hello, Eleanor. This is Hi, Eleanor. Eleanor. <laughs> um, so I start my A-levels next year. I'm doing um, an EPQ, which is basically like um, like an essay project, and I wanted to do it on physics. And wow. since you're like an expert, I was wondering like what interesting section I could pick to research. Oh, James Webb Telescope. So we've got this amazing new telescope, um, whereas the Hubble Telescope was a visual light telescope, so great for... Um, it, uh, objects that radiate visible light. The James Webb Telescope looks at in the infrared. And so that means we can look right back into the very first light that was ever created, which is now, because of the expansion in the universe, become infrared. So that would be the thing you should definitely, definitely write about. So we've been able to look the furthest we yet into the birth of the universe so we're now seeing just you know moments after the big bang basically yeah and also the james webb telescope is also now in the future so first of all it can see it, it can see the furthest if you like so it can see uh in a sense it can see the furthest back in time or the furthest back back in distance in the 
in the universe. But it's also going to be very useful because uh, one of the reasons I'm interested in it is because uh, if you have a planetary atmosphere and you've got life in that atmosphere, you get a certain kind of uh, signature in the infrared produced by the molecules in the atmosphere. So in principle, you ought to be able to point the James Webb telescope at a nearby planet, and we've just discovered lots of um, nearby... Well, not that near, but the Kepler telescope, the previous uh, telescope, found lots and lots of planets. We should be able to look at some of those planets and see whether they have atmospheres that look like they have life. And that might be the first proof that we ever have that there is uh, life on uh, planets other than Earth. So it could be amazing. Not only we're going to see right back into the beginning of time, if you like, but we also might find out whether we are alone in the universe or not. You're really into physics, aren't you? You love it. <laughs> it's probably worth touching on quarks at one point. <laughs> Don't ignore them. It's funny, so you and Dara Breen, uh, you got astrology, comedy, physics going on. I always yeah. thought before I met Dara, I always thought, nah, he's not really into it. It's just a, you know... It's, a useful thing on the CV, but he's really into it as well. He's really into it. Do you have really sort of boring conversations with him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. He's very... Dara's very good at maths as well. Uh, So he's the sort of full package, really, yeah. He's really... uh, Yeah, he's he's fascinating to talk to. Yeah. Um, I've got a question from Barney here, who is um, one of my sons, and he says... Barney, do you want to ask it or do you want me to ask it? Me? Yeah, fair enough. How many copies have you sold on an average... Day. It's an interesting question. I think. It is a very interesting question. Um, how many books a day on average? I I would have no idea, but uh, uh, but a lot of books have been sold. I know that nearly, actually, over now half a million books have been sold. Wow! So that is, yeah. I mean, kind of incredible. We need Dara O'Brien to do some maths. <laughs> Figure that out. Yeah, you, it, your latest one is number seven in the fantasy adventure for children charts. Oh, but that's also a tough it, chart. It's very high up in the main charts as well. It's doing really well. Good, good. Well done. I, I'm monitoring it. I've got. It's officially a good book as well. It's got 451 reviews on Amazon. Yeah. Average of 4.8 out of five. You can't get higher than that. I think that's pretty good. You can. Well, you can. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've read some of the reviews. I'll read them out now. This is what Sue said. Five out of five. It depends on the tone of voice from Sue. She says, excellent book for an eight-year-old. Am I detecting a slight tone of disappointment? Five stars. Ms B. Collie, also five stars. This was brought for my partner's niece. Haven't heard if she'd read it as yet, but was happy when she received it. It was in good condition. (laughs) So if you do order it, it won't be scuffed. Uh, Alwyn Williams just can't fault the product. Do you think of them as products? These books? Are you sure he's reviewed the right? Um, and, the whisk. Bought, yeah. and my favourite one was there's quite a long one. I'm not sure on what actual facts the supposed scientist Dr. Miller has based this far fetched, biologically unlikely interspecies body swap legend. But you know what? I don't care anymore. I want to be a dog for a day now. <laughs> Or a rabbit, or even a budgie. This book has opened up my eyes, and that's saying something, because my eyes have been narrowed for the last 12 years, which is when the Tories got in, so I, that's, that's what's happened there. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thanks for everything, and if I ever meet you, please can I sniff your bum? And that was written by Alex Horton last week. <laughs> they've not verified it yet, but it will go up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't got that long left. Questions. 
Yes, that late, that girl, and then that girl, please, or both at the same time, and see what happens. Oh, um, and that this girl. How actually. does um, Clive get um, George and Midnight into the fountain? Great question. How does Clive get Midnight and the George, the boy, into the fountain? Because the fountain is where the body swap happens. That's oh. a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. He doesn't know about Clive. This is the thing. So Clive is a magician and he's got a dastardly plan to use this magic fountain for his own wicked ends. But of course, first of all, he's got to test whether it's magic or not and he's got to wait until it is midsummer. So it's the, you know, strike of 12 at midsummer and then the fountain becomes magic. And what he does is he does a little test. He does a little experiment. He takes a budgie and a rabbit and he feeds the rabbit a drop of water, he feeds the budget a drop of water, says a magic spell, and poof, they change bodies. And George is watching from the bushes, and he sees that happen. So then he tells his friend Coco. When he's telling his friend Coco, he doesn't realise, but his the dog Midnight is drinking from the same fountain, although he hasn't seen. So he says to Coco, yeah, what Clive did is he put his finger in here, and he took a drop of water, and he put it on the budgie's tongue, he puts it on his own tongue, and swaps bodies with the dog by mistake. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> I thought that was gold, personally. Uh, yeah, so, so the short answer to your question is George sees, he's hiding secretly, and he sees Clive do a body swap, and then he does it himself. Are you happy with that answer? Yeah. <laughs> We've definitely got time for two more questions. But, but there are more people than that. So there's going to be some disappointed people here. Yes. <laughs> we'll get as many as we can done. Steve, Steve you're going to have to rush around now. Let's have quick... How old fire. were you when you wrote your first book? About your age, yes. I, I, um, I used to write, write little stories at school and I used to, um, I used to make, my own, uh, make my own books and draw the illustrations myself and like cut them up, you know, to get like a piece of A4 paper and I'd like fold them in half and I'd make my own little stories and write my own little stories. So from, yeah, so I, I'm guessing you're around 10, are you, how, how old are you? Eight. Eight. Um, yeah, you know, from round about your age. You better yeah. get writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to be a writer? No, fair enough. No. <laughs> yeah. Work in a bank. Then don't do that. Whatever you do, don't make little books. Was there one there, Steve? What was your favourite book as a child? Oh, such good questions. Much Thank better, you. Yeah. Really, really good question. Do you see what it's like, Alex, when somebody really takes an interest? The, um... 45 minutes. <laughs> I wrote a review on Amazon. <laughs> um, I loved uh, Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if you've read that. I loved Enid Blyton. was my absolute favourite. So I loved The Secret Seven, The Famous Five, The Magic Faraway Tree. There's a slight resemblance to the night we got stuck in a story. Um, yes, uh, I loved those. I loved those Enid Blyton stories. My mum read The Faraway Tree to me uh, every night when she was putting ointment on my verrucas. OK. Um... <laughs> There's three young lads back there. They've all got a question and they've all got a hat. Can't be a coincidence. Um, Mid middle boy, yes. Oh, end boy, yes. <laughs> when are you throwing the biscuits? <laughs> he said what they're all thinking. <laughs> it Here we might go. be biscuit time. Yeah, it's biscuit yeah. time. 
Okay, here we go. Let's give them what they want. It's all very well finding out about literature. I'm not worried at all. Here we go. Just some in the front, some in the front. One to my own children, because otherwise... And, right, come on, over there. Whoa, hit a man clean in the face. At the back. Oh, they really fly, don't they? They really fly. There you go. This is the most fun I've ever had. Sorry, sorry, sorry. At the back, there's the... Yeah, there we go. Oh, the real curve on them, aren't they? A real curve. Is, every, is everyone happy with us? Parents, happy? Yeah. We need to save two for the long-distance challenge. That's, there's only two left. Right. Uh, it's, it, it's time for the long-distance biscuit challenge. I'm so sorry. Long distance. I'm going... Yeah, this definitely comes with a warning. <laughs> and we don't have to wrap it up. Okay, so um, I'm going really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to do is... You know how you skim a biscuit on a lake? I'm going for a skim a... You first, or...? Oh... There we go. Oh, no! Oh, no! Real damage done. Real damage to the tent. I think it might have been a draw. Who was, who was furthest? It might have been a draw. It's a draw! Oh! I think that is all we've got time for. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ben Miller! Mr. Alex Horn! All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Ben Miller in conversation with Alex Horn, recorded live at last year's CarFest. If you want to be at this year's CarFest, once again, go to carfest.org to come join us this August bank holiday weekend. All right, thanks so much for listening.